Hey, church, we're grateful to be in God's house today. Come on, let's clap. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. Welcome to True North Church. We're glad that you're with us today. Everyone here for the first time and everyone joining us for the first time at Seawood up at Collingswood. Can we show some love to our Collingswood family? We love you. I, I guess it's best expressed this way. We're one house um, with multiple rooms, and uh, we're believing that the house will continue to expand and reach more people. Amen? Hey, we're starting a new conversation today, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this, not only um, because I feel like it's an in-season word for us, meaning that I believe this is, this is for our family right now in this time, but, but also because I, I've I've learned about the nature of God in studying through this and reading it. And, and I think many of us in our journey with God, we become very milestone driven. And our emotions can, and our passions and our enthusiasm can, can often be dictated by the milestones we're pursuing or the milestones we're leaving. And I remember when I was in elementary school and I, I was, always was excited to get to middle school. And then when I was in middle school, um, I was always excited to get to high school. And then when I was in high school, I just wanted to be out of high school. I just wanted to be in college. And then when I got to college, I just wanted to be out of college. Um, and then I just wanted to be married. And then when I got married, I wanted to have kids. And when I have kids, I just wanted to have more kids. And, then, and you always have the next thing, right? And you're always chasing the next milestone. And sometimes in life, um, things don't go according to plan. Sometimes things happen that were not part of your agenda or your vision or your dream, but I've come to realize with God that, that He'll use all things. He'll use the good, He'll use the bad, but He'll use all things. And as we talk through this conversation, I, w I, want, you to, I want you to get something in your spirit, and I don't want it to just be a, a good message. I don't want it to just be a good phrase. I want you to, I want you to carry something in your spirit. And I've learned with God that that what transpires in the environment of his family, the collection, the gathering together of the saints, the people of God, which we are the church, amen? And we gather together, and when God speaks a word over the house, we need to learn to carry it. We need to, we need to learn, like when I brought Harper home, um, Eliza and I brought Harper home for the first time. Luckily, I've been in a big family, so I've held infants before, but I, I kind of like babies when they get a little bit like plump. You know what I mean? They don't fall through the arms. So you kind of just feel better with it. And when you're carrying something, you're, you're cautious. You're always, you're always aware of everything around you. You're mindful of what you're doing. Or at least you should be if you're carrying an infant. And I realize that when God gives us a word, we need to learn to be carriers of it. Carriers of it. And when you're a carrier of something, it changes the way that you walk. It changes the way that you see your surroundings. It changes the way that you interact with other people. Why? Because I'm carrying something. And if you're carrying a word from God, I'm telling you, it'll change the way you do everything. It'll change the way that you think. It'll change the way that you speak to the people around you. It'll change the way that you see your future. I want you to carry this. I want you to be carriers of this thought right here. I want you to be a carrier of this concept or this word that God's not done. God's not done. I, I, I want you, everyone just say that with me. Say, God's not done. Say it one more time. Say, God's not done. Some of you need to know that, that listen to me, that God sees you. God sees you. 
Like if I, could, if I could come up to you at the end of service, every single one of you look you square in the eyes, not like kind of just over your head around you and just kind of blink. No, square in your eyes and say, God sees you. God's not done with you yet. And, and I, I want you to know something, that, that, that our God loves you far more than I have the ability to articulate with words or expression. And, and he needs you to know that whatever season you find yourself in, he's not done yet. And this is true for us both personally and collectively as, as a spiritual family. That God's not done with us yet. And I know milestones can sometimes cause us to, to wonder what's next for me in my life. I, I don't know. Maybe you're entering into a new season. Maybe you're exiting a season. And, and you're kind of wondering, I, I don't really know what's next. I just need you to know something. God's not done with you yet. Some of you, and I just felt this in prayer this morning, that some of you, your entire life has led you to a place of right now, and your entire life has been a preparation moment for the now, for today. And, and God's going to do something in and through you that you never thought possible in your life, and I need you to just start being a carrier of this thing every time you wake up every morning and say, God's not done yet. I don't know what he's going to do in my marriage, but God's not done yet. I don't know what he's going to do in my business, in my future, in my finances, in my family, in my struggle, but God's not done yet. Somebody say amen. amen. I know that five people, if listen, if, if five clap, everybody claps. That's the rule. Hey, I, my, my daughter Harper is, a, um, is an artist, and, and she loves to, to do crafts and if it's it's quite fascinating to me honestly because i would lose my son is like like i am and he'll begin to draw something and it'll be like just getting started and i'll be like okay and he's done and he moves on and but harper is so focused and and um have you ever been in the middle of something a project and someone comes and and wants to see it and get all up in your business but you're halfway through it and you know the response that you kind of get you ever like start writing something and you're in the middle of the intro or the first chapter or, and someone's like, oh, let me see, let me see. And what's your, you, what's your response usually? <laughs> I'm not done. Get off. I'm, I'm not done. Harper covers her page. <laughs> I woke up and said, hey, what you doing, honey? I'm not done yet. You know? Someone, my mother will drop in while I'm working on my message. She says, what are you preaching this Sunday? I'm not done yet. Okay? You know what I mean? It's like we have a fear of people seeing things unfinished. If you don't recognize something about, about how God processes our development through this sanctification process, you will always try to cover up what God is working on. And one of the dangers is in the church world is that we're always trying to cover up what God's working on, but it's actually as He works on us, His power is made known in our weakness. And listen to me now, there's some of you that are, you are, you are focused fully on covering up what God's not done yet. I'm so grateful that my father would always say about all of us, we are a work in progress. I remember I'd come home and I'd, I'd, I'd get sent to the office and, or I'd get a C and my dad would give me a high five. My mom like, why are you high-fiving him? It was a C. And he would look and he says, God's not done yet with him. You know, it's a work in progress. We all need to recognize that we are a work in progress, that God's not done. What if in the midst of whatever you're in today, you could close your eyes and know that God's word over that is, I'm not done with that yet. How would you look at it? How would your intention be towards it? How would your reaction be towards it? You know, we can often be very judgmental. We can be critical. We can be, we can be ignorant. 
We can be rude towards what God is working on and in and through because we haven't seen the finished project, the finished product yet. And in, in Scripture, it declares, whoa, it's all right, everything's good. Josh, just leave it there, buddy. It's all right. You don't want me to step on it? What did I just say? In Scripture, Scripture always declares that, that, that we are his masterpiece, his masterpiece. It means he needed to start somewhere, right? It means that, that, that we come from a place of, of brokenness. We come to God, and we know that, that God takes us where we are, but he begins to, to mold us. He begins to shape us. He begins to develop us into the person that he desires us to be. I just, I just want some of you to understand this process because many people get discouraged with, with and I love how they say this, I just don't know about church. Can I tell you something? It is, it is not church. that Church will not change you. The Holy Spirit will change you. Jesus will change you. It's, it's coming together and learning how, how to be developed and molded into the image of God in the presence of other people. <laughs> And it's in that process, see, a lot of us, we're not willing to be changed in front of other people because we're worried about what they might say if they see the, the unfinished work of God. I just, I'm here to tell you today, like, I'm a work in progress. God's not done with me yet. God's still working on me. And I want you to have that same spirit, and I want you to carry that in this season. Because I really believe there's some things that you guys are looking at as a family. I just believe this in my spirit. There's things you're looking at and you're asking God, God, why? God, why is this like this? Why does this have to be like this? And I just want you to change it. I want you to prophesy over whatever situation you're going through today. And I want you to say, God's not done with it yet. God's not done with it yet. And whatever it is, I'm telling you, it'll change the way that you see it. But you, you, have, the, you have the autonomy to declare what you choose to declare. You have the autonomy to see what you choose to see. And I want you to be carriers of this principle that God's not done yet. Some of us, man, your finish line is God's starting line. And you think that your season is over and God's saying it's just getting started. In, the ancient, in ancient Greece, they, where they had the original Olympics, they would weave together these leaves, these laurels, and they would place them on the, on the head and make a crown of the victor, of the person who won. Basically like bay leaves. It's pretty fancy, I guess. And they'd, they'd weave it together and they'd place it on the head of the victor. Did you ever hear this saying, resting on your laurels? Did you ever hear that? It comes from this concept that those who have won something see their life and their purpose complete. And I don't know where you are because there's two ways to approach this. Some of you say, I've already accomplished everything. I'm good. And you're just sitting back. Some of you are saying, oh, it's, it's time for another generation to step forward. And you, you've chosen, you've taken the lead on this before God and say, God, I'm just going to step back. And some of you, you, you've kind of run your race and you're dealing with some other things. And I love it because we can choose to disqualify ourselves because we think we've accomplished that which God has started in us. But I'm here to tell you today that God's not done with you yet. 
I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care of the brokenness, the struggles you're even in now, that God's not done with you, which means that God still chooses to use you in the midst of your process, in the midst of molding you, in the midst of forming you, in the midst of dealing with your own struggles and your own difficulties. God's saying to you, I'm not done with you yet. I still want to use you in the midst of what you're dealing with. Listen, I want to, I want to really deal with this mindset that some of you may have when it comes to giving, when it comes to serving, when it comes to be, being a, a leader in the house of God, is just saying, well, I'm not ready yet. No, you are ready. You're ready to lead. You're ready to change your family, your marriage, and your city. You're ready to do some, some, some work for the kingdom of God in your school and in your job. You're ready to do it. You, just, you step up, not because of what you've accomplished, but because of what Christ has accomplished for you and on your behalf. Somebody say amen. I want you to carry this with with. with really two ways to carry it, truth be told. And the first way to carry it is to believe and know that God's not done with you yet. To just believe and know that He's not done with you personally. And that actually hits a point, a sensitive point in all of us. Because none of us know the individual stories of our own personal journeys. They're emotional, often guarded and protected close to our heart. And we don't usually share them with other people, and we walk into church, and we say the soft, quiet prayer to God, and, and we're just saying, God, can you fix this? God, can you heal this? God, can you help me here? God, can you deal with this? And I want you to believe and know that God personally is not done with you yet. God's not done shaping you into the person He's created you to be. He's not done with your family. He's not done guiding your future. He's not done helping you find greater freedom to deal with the addictions that you're dealing with. He's not done molding you into fulfilling your God-given purpose. He's just getting started with many of you. And I need you to know that. Some of you have disqualified yourself, but you don't have permission to disqualify yourself because you've never qualified yourself. It's only come from God. I've always thought that would be funny that people say, well, I'm disqualified. And I thought to myself, man, if you only knew that you could never qualify yourself anyway... So if you can't qualify yourself, you can't disqualify yourself. Only He can qualify us, and it's through Him. And can I tell you something? He doesn't disqualify us. He doesn't. He continues to call us in the midst of our brokenness. Some of us unaware of the fact that the Apostle Paul, who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, was once named Saul. <laughs> and he was there as Christians. The early leaders of the church were martyred, killed, executed. And I, I just, for some of you, maybe you don't know that story, but, but as God watched Saul, he literally just proclaimed over him, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. Some of us have read the story of the prodigal son, and there were two sons and a father, and the one son just wanted what was his. He said, Dad, give me my, my money. Give me my inheritance. I'm leaving. And he went out and wastefully spent all of his inheritance so much so that he had nothing left and he was living with pigs. Scripture says that he came to himself, recognizing that at least in my father's house I could be a slave. And so he finds his way walking home. And some of you need to just get this picture. The father is a picture, is a depiction of our heavenly father. And some of us are coming back to God and we're unsure of how we will be received. And the father was waiting for his son. He's waiting for him. And when he saw him walking towards the house, he ran after him. 
Do you know why? Because God's never done with you. He never gives up on you. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much. God's waiting for you. He's peering over the hill waiting for you to make, make a move in His direction. And He wants you to make a move towards Him because He's going to welcome you with open arms. The story concludes with Him throwing a massive party in a celebration for His Son that once was lost has now returned. It's the nature of our God. He's not done with us yet. I want to, I want to just talk to you about a story at the beginning of the Bible. Can we do that? Are you all right today? Um, I want to talk to you about the nature of our God as it pertains to not being done, but also how he constantly calls us to move. You know, one of our core values at True North is that we're made to move. Everybody say that. Say made to move. We're made to move. None of us are called to live stationary, stagnant, apathetic lives. We're called to be followers of Jesus Christ and to live by faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith um, is what really defines us as believers. I want to just, let me go back to to Joseph. Joseph, do you know who Joseph was? The one in the family who um, had a dream and he told his brothers about his dream and his brothers didn't like his dream because in his dream they were bowing, bowing to him and he was the youngest. He had the, the coat of many colors and then instead of killing him, they threw him in a well, but um, they were going to leave him to die, but then they end up selling him into slavery. And a long story short, Joseph eventually became um, second in command of all of Egypt. And he would find his dreams fulfilled. And, but when he died, it, it's almost as if the Bible goes silent. <laughs> 430 years. The people of God were at one point when Joseph was alive in, in great position and authority and part of, uh, of a great nation. And then when he was gone, it was as if God went quiet. And you could almost read through Scripture and think, man, man I guess God's done. I guess the story's over. But as you continue to read, you find that God's not done yet. He's not done the story yet. And so here we see that God chooses someone by the name of Moses, born a Hebrew, placed in the Nile River to avoid being executed at the declaration or the command of Pharaoh and found by one of the daughters of Pharaoh and raised as an Egyptian. Though a Hebrew, raised in a palace as an Egyptian. And as you follow his life, you realize that he was raised with with great wealth and was trained in, in, in language and in arts. And as you read the life story of Moses, you realize that he was watching one time a Hebrew being beaten by an Egyptian. And he responds in passion and zeal for his fellow Hebrew and ends up killing the Egyptian. And so what does he do when he does something wrong? He runs and he hides. And if you're reading the story, you could read the story and in your mind you're thinking, man, this, it's over for, for him. It's all done for him. But God's not done with him yet. God's not done with him yet. That does not disqualify him for being used by God. It doesn't disqualify him for what God wants to do in him and through him. 
So hiding on the other side of some mountain, God comes after him. And he says, I'm not done with you yet. You're going to lead my people out of slavery. 430 years of silence, God chooses someone who wants to disqualify themselves. God doesn't give them permission to disqualify themselves. And he says, listen, even though you don't want to do it, I'm calling you. I'm going to give you what you need to accomplish, that which I've called you to accomplish. And he says, I'm going to send you with a small posse. You're going to go to Pharaoh, then you're going to lead the nearly two million people out of bondage and out of slavery. And Moses is like, really? I'm not a good public speaker. I stutter. I'm not the guy. I don't know how to do this. I'm insecure. I got all of these issues. Surely there's somebody else. But God declares, I'm not done with you yet. Some of you, listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you that when God chooses you, he will not leave you alone. He's going to choose you to do, accomplish something, and listen to me, you cannot pawn off your purpose to some other person. It is for you alone to walk in, and God will give you what you need to accomplish that which he's called you to. And so Moses comes here, and it doesn't seem to be working out. He's going to Pharaoh. He's saying, hey, let my, God's saying, let my people go, and he's making these declarations before Pharaoh, and he's saying, no, I'm, no that's all right. Actually, a matter of fact, I'm going to make it harder for them now. Sometimes when you step into what you think God's calling you to, to step into, it doesn't get easier. It just gets a lot harder. And I've recognized the reason it gets more difficult is God wants you to recognize where your strength comes from. And early on, when we started the church, I, re I really just felt in my spirit, God's like, you need, to, you need to recognize very quickly where your source of strength comes from. And I, being raised in the church, I always knew how to pray the good prayers to, oh, God, I know your strength comes from me. But it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to know it and to walk in it. So Moses, early on, things that weren't going well. And I love this because <laughs> Moses is complaining to God. And, and God says to Moses, I am Yahweh. I love this. Moses is complaining to God, the one who called him. And God says to him, he says, I'm Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai. God Almighty. I appear to them as God Almighty. He says, and I reaffirm my covenant with them. And under its terms, I promise to give them the land of Canaan, where they will, where they will live forever. And you can be sure that I have heard the groans of my people, who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I'm well aware of my covenant. He says, therefore, Moses, I want you to tell the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will free you from oppression. I will rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people. And I will be your God. And then all of a sudden it begins to proceed. And God says there will be ten plagues. And all of these plagues begin to happen. And then it finally reaches this pinnacle moment. And then Pharaoh breaks. And he says, go. Scripture says there's nearly 600,000 men and Many scholars seem to assume that the women and children added to that number exceeded 2 million people. And though people would argue and debate that number, it seems to be not as significant to me because anytime you get close to a million, it's, that's, that's a lot of people. You know, let's just assume that's just a lot of people. And so here they are, they're leaving. They're leaving this place that they've known for 430 years, generation upon generation of people in this place. And Moses, kind of uncertain about what the future is, 
<laughs> have you ever had a word from God and God tells you to do something? He gives you step, you know, the first step, but he's never given you the second one. And the first step has been accomplished, but you haven't been given instructions as to what the second step is. And so kind of you're just walking blind, but that's not blind. It's actually by faith. And you're just trusting that God's going to show you what's next. And so God leads the people of, out of Egypt, but he leads them to a place in front of the Red Sea. But God doesn't abandon them in guiding them. It says in scripture that he provided a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night leading the people and he didn't accidentally lead them to the Red Sea into what was geographically a problematic space because there was no way to escape if an enemy came over the hill but God leads them there on purpose it's as if God wants to display not only to Moses but to the people that are following him that I am your source of provision I am the one that protects you I'm the one that provides for you no one else will take claim to that I will take sole claim of that so here it is the, the story comes to this place and I love this because as soon as as the people get to this place can, can I just for a moment have you ever felt like you could exhale because the big battle that you've been experiencing is, is past maybe the doctor's report and then you got a good report or maybe this was a struggle with your child and then all of a sudden it seems to be good and maybe this financially then all of a sudden have you ever felt like you've come over the hurdle or the hill and you're kind of just like Anyone ever feel that way? I feel like the people of Egypt, the, the, the people of Israel walk, coming out of Egypt into this place, and many of them kind of like this relief, like, oh, we're free. We're free, and here they are walking to this place, and then all of a sudden, as if it's in their mind, like, this is the good story. This is the end. This is when the music starts playing loud. All of a sudden, Pharaoh comes over the hill. And you're like, no, no, God, I thought we've already dealt with this. I thought we were moving on into new seasons. But God's not done yet. What is he not done with? He's not done with displaying his glory. Don't look at difficulties as problems for God. Difficulties and situations and struggles are only opportunities for God to display his glory in and through you in your life. So here's the enemy. They come over the hill. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. There is such a significant principle there. For many of you, you are so complacent and comfortable where you are, you'd rather live in bondage and walk by faith and in freedom with Christ. Some of you, God's calling you out in a new season to give like you've never given before, to serve like you've never served before, to lead like you've never led before spiritually in your marriage, in your family, and in your business. And some of you, it would be easy for you to say to God, God, I'm fine where I'm at. I'm all right where I'm at, but can I tell you, you weren't called to live in oppression. You weren't called to live in slavery. You were called to lead as a child of God. And so here they are. They're complaining to Moses. Why has this happened? And Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid. You know what? Moses figured it out by now. Because Moses saw what God did in him and what God did through him. And it's not that Moses didn't have his own issues and his own struggles and his own discouragements, but he figured it out by this point. If I'm following the cloud and I'm following the fire and God leads me to this place, God knows what he's doing. I choose not to worry any longer. 
I'm not going to listen to the voices beside me. I'm going to lift my head above the difficulty and, and, and listen to the, the voice of God. And if God leads me to this place, I know that there's a promise in this place. And so he leads them to this place. And Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. I love this. Hear me now. This is a word for you today. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Stand firm. See, when you end up in a place where God leads you, you don't have to worry about fighting. God will fight for you. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. Listen, you only, you need only to be still. You know, faith sometimes just stands with confidence, doesn't it? It just stands with confidence. See, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you so confident? Why are you, standing, why are you standing tall? You know what's going to happen? No, I don't. But I know who's for me. I know if God is for me, who can be against me? And so Moses declares to the people, just stand tall, be still. And then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, I love this. (laughs) He says, why are you crying out to me? Why are you whining? Why are you complaining? Why are you so filled with worry? Why do you think I've departed from you? Why do you think I'm finished with you yet? You think I went through all of that to lead you to a place and then just abandon you. You think I did all of that to take you to this place just to watch you to be killed and destroyed. He says, why are you crying? And I love this. This is the command of God to the people of Israel. I believe it's our command today. He says, tell the Israelites to move on, to move, to start moving. Some of you aren't hearing what I'm saying. Some of you start, start moving. Some of you have been in church for a long time. And you've been stationary and you've been stagnant in your faith. And I'm just here to challenge you this morning to just start moving. Step out by faith and start moving to where God's leading you into new things. Move on. He says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go after, after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. It's all about God gaining glory. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this. Come on, we can be confident in this. We can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Whatever God has done for you, you should be willing to do for the people around you. Don't ever let what God has done in you and through you end with you. (laughs) Pass it on. That's what we do here in the house of God. Passing on things to the next generation. Building a house of God, not for ourselves, but for the generations to come. It's the significance of knowing that God's for us and not against us, but we're not in this for ourselves, that we're going to leave things behind us and after us so that those who come after us can continue to walk and can continue to build on our shoulders to do great things for God in Jesus' name. Second Timothy, and I love this, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and it says self-control or sound mind. Let me read you this final thought. I have one scripture left. I will not dwell. I want this to, I, I want, this is something that you struggle, some of you struggle with. And I struggled with this in the past, but I don't want, I will, I want you to declare this over yourself. I wrote it in the first person, so it's messing me up. But I was saying this over myself. I will not dwell on the past. I will not dwell on the past. 
Scripture says, God declares, Behold, I do a new thing. I will not dwell on the past or allow my past mistakes or shame to cause me to live in self-condemnation. And I will not allow my successes, my past successes, my victories, and pride to cause me to live in self-righteousness. I believe that God wants to do something fresh and new in each one of our lives. And in order for us to believe that and walk in it, it needs to be something in our spirit we carry and we walk in, in Jesus' name. Listen, can you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you, but before I do that, I want to read this prayer that Paul, the Apostle Paul, prayed over the church of Ephesus. It's a powerful prayer, and I want to read it to you before we, we leave today. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you and I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, then you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received it's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I want to encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you. Find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.